Football fans far and wide, welcome back to the Football v. Football podcast. This is the NFL Week 12 recap. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Going to go ahead and dive right into the games. Starting with the early game, Miami Dolphins beating the Houston Texans 30-15. to This game was 30 to nothing at halftime. The Texans are just so pathetic. It's really torture to keep making them play. Every week uh, early in this game, Kyle Allen had um, a pick and just looked so dejected. His stat line was, um, I don't remember it exactly, but it was just really sad. And, you know, to see that Davis Mills is not even out there anymore, he was benched and, and they put Kyle Allen in. And I was thinking to myself, are you going to bench Kyle Allen as well? I mean, it's just, um, it was just so meek for them. And uh, Damian Pierce couldn't get anything going as well. And um, I think in this game, he maybe had four rushes for eight yards. Um, you know, they played some catch up in garbage time, uh, but that by that time, the Dolphins starters were already out of the game. I think Tua got the entire second half off. Um, I think Tyreek Hill got injured at some point in this game as well. I was thinking to myself, at, at one point, when this team is up by so much, um, the Texans' defense is going to get really upset, and they're going to start taking cheap shots and just take their aggression out on the Dolphins. And I think they got one last hit in on Tyreek and, and injured him a little bit. So I think it was probably a good call to to remove some of these Dolphins starters. Um, you know, the Dolphins' coach, Mike McDaniel, um, was rocking the sunglasses and the gold watch and the slick back hair. This is, this is the first time I'd seen him look like that. I think that there's an active um, campaign here to uh, to make him look less like a uh, a nerdy uh, coordinator and more like a uh, you know the head of a franchise here. I thought that was interesting, and you know something that I I saw Tyreek doing a little bit early in this game is something that he he does usually, which is when he catches the ball, he kind of hops backwards. And then starts running just to give himself some space because he's not the biggest guy. Uh, but there was a specific play uh, in this game on uh, where, where the, the Dolphins needed a, a short yardage. And he wasn't able to get it because he did that thing where he, he, he jumped backwards. And I thought that was kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a flaw in his game that he maybe needs to switch um, his brain into... Uh, you know, activating if it's a short yardage, don't do that hop back, just, you know, keep going straight. But there's really not much else to say about this game. Uh, Dolphins dominated, Texans are absolutely the worst team in the league. I mean, that is confirmed this week. So uh, the Dolphins move on. The AFC East is looking pretty good. And we'll talk more about that um, as the pod goes on here. And actually, we're going to talk about it right now because the New York Jets beat the Chicago Bears 31-10. Trevor Simeon versus Mike White. What a great quarterback battle. And I mean that unironically. This was a great quarterback battle between these guys that were both making their first starts of the year. 
both backups. Um, Mike White made an incredible throw over a linebacker for Garrett Wilson's second touchdown. Garrett Wilson, by the way, had an amazing game. But, I mean, you you got to see this Mike White throw because it, it looked like it went through the – the linebacker's hands who was trying to catch it like a receiver. Um, really incredible. And I think Mike White, you know, provides a stable quarterback uh, now for the Jets to turn them into a real contender along with that incredible defense and that great coach, Robert Saleh. Um, and, and the Jets also have a great kicker. I mean, Greg DeLeg, Greg Zerline. On that 57-yard field goal, it looked like he was just chipping it. I mean, usually when kickers um, kick a field goal from that distance, it's uh, it looks like they have to wind up and they're giving it their all uh, to kick that ball. But I don't know how he generated that power just by kind of chipping it there. I thought that was pretty impressive. Uh on the other side, on the Bears side, you know, Chase Claypool has either great days or terrible days. Today was a great day for him. He's very inconsistent, uh, but in the first half, he had some great plays against, uh, you know, Ahmed Gardner, Sauce Gardner. Uh, when he's bad, I call him Sauce. When he's good, I call him Ahmed. So uh, bad play on Sauce. Uh, he, he was just kind of owning him in the first quarter or even the first half. Um, and even... Um, you know, Byron Pringle uh, mossed uh, DJ Reed for a touchdown early. Um, so in the first half, the, these Bears receivers were looking like they were having the best of the, uh, the the just defensive backs. But in the second half, they tightened up. I mean, they only gave up 10 points this whole game. So the Jets continue to improve. I mean, what a division, this, this AFC East with the Dolphins and the Bills, you know, what the Bills showed on on Thanksgiving, getting another win, and then the Jets, man, and even the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots did lose to the Vikings. That was a um, that was a very close game, though. So, um, or did they? Now I'm forgetting. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure the Vikings did beat the the Patriots. But um, you know, Patriots are always going to be a, a tough team, especially at home. So, uh, kudos to the Jets here. I'm looking forward to see what the AFC East, um, how it shakes out. I feel like a lot of playoff teams are going to come from this from this division. Moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Baltimore Ravens 28-27. to Lamar and the Ravens exposed, finally. I thought it was going to be against a better team that they got exposed, but all it took was... The Jaguars and the big courage of Doug Peterson going for two to win the game, and they got it done. Uh, and it only took an average team to expose the Ravens. Devin Duvernay, receiver for the Ravens, had his first drop of the season today, which shows how Lamar is squandering great. Sure-handed receivers. Uh, now they have Deshaun Jackson as well, who made a great catch today. And, you know, this guy still has some terrible, terrible overthrows. Um, and he's just not a good enough quarterback for this team. Not a good enough quarterback. I mean, he 
He still makes some great runs. Not as much as before, though, by the way. Um, he's not running like he used to. That's going, you know, um, he's having less and less of those great highlight running plays. So it's going to be interesting to see the future of this Ravens team and whether he gets paid or not. That's still up in the air. You know, the reason Justin Tucker is so good is because Lamar and the Ravens just suck in the red zone. And he gets so much practice and opportunities. And he capitalizes. And uh, he even had a, at the end of this game, he had a a shot to win the game with a 67-yard field goal. And he almost made it. I think it went 66 yards or something like that. Um, and I think he's the reason why that the, the Ravens are a good team. So, uh, but they didn't get it done today. Uh, when Etienne was injured and came out of the game, Jamichael Hasty was inserted into this game as his backup and just dominated in the run and the pass game. Um, caught a touchdown pass, made some really good runs, was open for a lot of this game. And big kudos to Trevor Lawrence. Made some big throws. The the receivers made some big catches. And Peterson is just the perfect coach for this team. And he is so polar opposite to Urban Meyer from last year. And they just looked like they were having a lot of fun out there. And it was a well-deserved win for the Jaguars. And... As I've mentioned before, I think we're going to see the Ravens not do much this year. So let's go ahead and talk about the next game, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Tennessee Titans 20-16. The Titans had stopped the Bengals for a field goal at the end of the game there, uh, and we're going to get the ball back with about a minute left, but we're... uh, Caused a penalty because they ran into the snapper and and bowled him over, essentially. And that penalty ended the game. And if you saw Mike Vrabel's face, it's kind of a familiar look when they when they lose games. It's just kind of like a half... His, his face like kind of like falls like halfway. Um, but on the other side, Joe Burrow, he had a very good game. You know, he has a great sidearm kind of throw. Uh, it's very accurate. It's, um, you know, Matt Stafford is was has kind of been known for that, but Joe Burrow, um, I think, does that tremendously well. Um, Samaje Pirine didn't get much of a chance in Washington. However, now with Joe Mixon out with a concussion, is really getting one here in Cincinnati and showing finally in the league what he showed in college, which is he is a great running back, both pass it, both as a pass catcher and a runner. T. Higgins had a terrible, unusual drop early in this game, but really came back and had a great game with a big touchdown catch and many of the things that we're used to seeing with, with T. Higgins, many great catches. On the other side in Tennessee... Um, Derrick Henry was mostly held in check in this game, uh, run-wise, but he got loose on a big uh, catch-and-run that 
although he fumbled it basically at the goal line and, and Traylon Burks, um, you know, got the touchdown, he reminded all of us, you know, Derrick Henry has these flashes where you think to yourself, this is the most unstoppable running back in the league. I mean, he shows, of course, his, his stature is that he will run anybody over. But sometimes he shows speed that, you know, a combination of speed and power that you don't, that, that you maybe never seen before in, in a running back. Um, accelerating past defensive backs, you know, guys that are uh, should be much faster than him. So I think the only issue is he struggles to stay healthy. And sometimes because it, it, it takes him a while to, to get going because he's a little bit bigger, um, that doesn't manifest itself a lot. But when you see it in action, you know, like peak Henry, uh, might be one of the most unstoppable forces in this league. But you know what? They couldn't get it done. The Bengals got it done. And the Bengals are looking pretty good in the AFC North now. And I think they're going to win it. So moving on to the team that might have something to say about that, the Cleveland Browns beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 23-17. to A hard-fought win by Jacoby Brissett. In the and the Browns in his last start before Deshaun Watson returns. Now, in previous weeks, I thought it's going to be a good move. They're going to be really good when Deshaun Watson comes back. But after what I saw today, and I'm kind of compiling some some things about Brissett and this team, I don't know that the Browns should immediately go to to Watson. Um, you know, benching Brissett, you know, given how well liked he is by his 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 team and coming off a big win like this against the Buccaneers, uh, it might mess with some team chemistry stuff. Um, especially if they feel like they can, you know, contend for a wild card spot. So I think it's something that for the Browns organization to uh, to think about. Like may, maybe Brissett will play himself out of this job. I think he is capable of doing that on a bad day. And that's when you can put Watson in. But off the heels of this game, I think it's there is some um, there might be a, a little bit a little bit of an issue with with doing that right after this game. On the Buck side, uh, I thought Leftwich made a conscious effort to uh, call more outside runs, which I thought really helped uh, Rashad White, especially early. Uh, putting him in space, which he needs to be uh, in order to be effective. Um, this is not a running back that can, um, you know, run through the interior of the defensive line. He's just kind of a plotter, but if you put him in space, he does a little bit better. And he did do a little bit better in this game, so I thought that was smart by Leftwich. Mike Evans was just a blocker most of this game. Uh, didn't have a catch until midway through the third quarter. The defensive backs essentially kept holding him. It was all on the right side of the field. I think I saw it four times. And he drew, it seemed like, 100 yards in penalties. So, you know, maybe he he did his job in that way. Uh, But it seemed like the Browns' game plan was to not let Evans get deep for a touchdown and just give up those penalty yards. And you know what? It ended up working. 
Amari Cooper uh, dropped a wide open pass on fourth down when they were down 17 to 10 that I thought was going to be a backbreaker for this team. But they kept fighting, and Amari became more sure-handed as uh, the game moved um, further into the fourth quarter. And David Njoku had an incredible one-handed catch to tie the game in the fourth quarter. And they eventually won this one. So a big kudos to the Browns. Um, happy for them get, getting this win. Uh, Cleveland seems like such a fun place to play if you're a Cleveland Brown. Uh, that fan base is is always really into the game. And um, happy they got this one. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes next week with uh, Deshaun coming back. Moving on to the Washington Commanders, beating the Atlanta Falcons 19-13. Brian Robinson finally, finally, finally had his breakout game. Trucking guys and showing speed. Finally putting it all together this season and showing what he showed in the preseason, which is the combination of speed and power. And he hadn't showed that before. Uh, it seemed like he might have come back a little bit early. Uh, maybe he he felt like his body was okay, but he wasn't really in that football mindset and the football shape. But I'm glad he finally put it all together here, and they really, really needed it. Uh, he had over 100 yards here at a touchdown. The Washington interior defensive line continues to be extremely, extremely stout against the run. The effectiveness that the Falcons had at all was all on the outside. They couldn't run down the middle. I will say, though, on the Falcons' side, I continue to be um, impressed with their coach, Arthur Smith. He did an interesting thing on um, fourth and one in their own territory. I think maybe they're on their their own 45 with 50 seconds uh, left in the, uh, the first half. He let the clock run all the way down to about 20-ish seconds, um, acting like they were going to go for it the whole time. Uh, then he called a timeout. Then he actually went for it, and he didn't get it, but uh, he didn't give Washington time to do um, anything uh, in the half. And they gave the ball back to Heineke, and Heineke immediately threw an interception. And I think Arthur Smith just knew that you know that quarterback is one of mo- one of the most turnover prone quarterbacks, and putting him in a situation where he would have to throw the ball like that uh, on their own twenty after the punt or something, uh, I thought it was a weirdly smart uh, play and shows why the Falcons are playing above their talent level this year. Uh, I think when they get some good players, uh, this team is going to be very good because I think they have a very good coach. Mariota, while he has really descended into one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, uh, he he is pretty tough. Uh, He takes a lot of big hits and just pops right back up. Uh, And I think that's one of the reasons why he is still in the league. But Kendall Fuller, game-winning interception here. Had a pick six last week as well. And these Washington defensive backs were terrible to start the season. But Fuller has really emerged. And like I mentioned before, the interior of the defensive line has emerged. Continues to be stout. 
Chase Young, I think he's coming back next week if he was not back today. Him and him and Sweat, uh, Jonathan Allen. Um, just so many good guys on this um, pieces on the team that are, that are coming together on defense now. On on offense, I guess we'll see. I mean, if um, the combo of uh, Robinson and Gibson can can uh, be effective in the run game, and Heineke can just throw it to McLaurin. Um, and stop throwing, um, stop giving the ball away. I think they can be okay. But I think uh, this is a team that should focus on uh, running the ball on offense and um, relying on their defense. I mean, Fuller can't really do it alone, but uh, if um, you know he can do enough and that defensive line can do enough, I think they can be okay. Moving to the Carolina Panthers beating the Denver Broncos 23-10. to for Carolina, uh, Sam Darnold got his first start of the season, and he looks like he's the new quarterback for this team. Uh, Well-deserved uh, for him because he's the first one to finally feed their best receiver, DJ Moore. First one to feed him the damn ball. I mean, it took them this long to finally realize that um, that's your best route to points and to wins. And none of these other – I think, you know, P.J. Walker didn't know how to do it. Um Baker Mayfield definitely didn't know how to do it. Uh, who else started for this team? Jacob Eason. I think maybe this is their fourth or fifth starter, and none of them realized that. <laughs> um, I'm sad. I- I'm glad that Sam Darnold uh, finally realizes it, uh, and um, I think that there is a path for them to to success with them continuing to do that. Uh, Donta Foreman. The Donta Foreman reclamation project continues. I don't know how or why this is happening, but kudos to him. He's playing very, very well. Now, on the other side, Russ, he started this game four for five for 10 yards. And it shows that even when he's, you know, effective, it's it's for such short yardage. And he's just so timid with the ball. Uh, and he doesn't... He, he didn't show any improvement even against this bad Panthers defense. Uh, it doesn't matter who he's playing against. He just, he's not himself. He's not himself this year for some reason. And there, a, a video emerged of a Broncos defensive player yelling at Russ as he was running off the field. And there's just some weird, dysfunctional, dark stuff going on with the Denver Broncos that is just really sad to see. Um, I mean, even the Texans are. They're not good, but they are given some effort. Uh, but the Broncos, there is some. There's a big disconnect between the defense and the offense, and there's something going on with Russ. I feel like a broken record saying this, but it's pretty bad. And um, well, I don't know. As a Seattle fan, I like to think maybe this is his last gift to Seattle, giving them a high first round pick next year. But we'll move on to the Los Angeles Chargers beating the Arizona Cardinals 25-24. to This was the second game of the day where they went for the game-winning two-point conversion where the game could have been won or lost uh, on the play. And just like the Jaguars, the Chargers got it done. To me, this game displayed why premier wide receivers are so important in this game. Keenan Allen, back for the Chargers. 
Hopkins and Hollywood Brown back for the Cardinals. You know, these teams were toiling for weeks, but now that these receivers are back, they're just a much more potent and fun team to watch, both of them. Um, on the Arizona side, uh, there was kind of a funny, you know, severely delayed handoff from Murray to uh, to James Conner. Uh, Murray, you know, it, it was essentially a, supposed to be a pass play for him, and he scrambled for a few seconds like he does. And then Connor was somehow still in the same position behind him, or he maybe he blocked and he ended up in the same position. And he, Murray ended up pitching it back to Connor, and it just looked like that was the play all along. It just looked like a like a pitch play. Thought that was kind of interesting. Um, big props to Marco Wilson, uh, defensive back for the Arizona Cardinals. He had an amazing diving pass breakup um, for this team, and. I felt like that was one of the plays that almost won them this game if the Chargers hadn't come back. But the crowd in Arizona erupted when the Chargers took their lead with that game-winning two-point conversion, which begs the question, do all Chargers fans live in Arizona? Because whenever the Chargers play at home, the team always fills the crowd. You know, the away team always... Fills the crowd. There's always a majority away team crowd. And the Chargers have no home field advantage. So it was crazy to hear how loud that stadium got when the Chargers won this game. And you know what? If the Chargers played in Arizona, maybe they'd have more wins. But they don't. Um, we'll see, you know, big picture what this game really means. I don't know. I don't think the Chargers are going to do much. Arizona Cardinals haven't been doing much at all. So... We'll see what it means, big picture, but um, good win for the Chargers. Moving on to the most depressing uh, game of the day, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, beating the Seattle Seahawks 40-34. to The pathetic Seahawks defense uh, gave up 40 points to a 3-7 team. Uh, They let Josh Jacobs run for 303 Total yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner. Uh, this is the second straight week the Raiders have um, a walk-off touchdown in overtime. You know, the Hawks' defense was amazing in the first quarter with, I think, two picks and several sacks and then looked awful. In the second quarter, gave up 21 points, uh, and they were awful the rest of the game. Run defense was absolutely pathetic. They got gashed over and over uh, for the second game in a row. No integrity, no integrity at all in this run in this run defense. And the Raiders had a great trick play. Uh, they drew the whole defense in, and Mac Collins was wide open for a touchdown. There's another play, Devontae Adams. He had he made an amazing one-handed catch with you know Michael Jackson um, holding his other hand. He had no choice but to make this one-handed catch. Um, you know, going back to the Hawks, they were just really bad early in the red zone. Um, Gino was uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically reckless in the first half. Um, he could have had three picks. He ended up with one. 
there was another one that was picked as well, but um, the defender didn't get his feet in bounds. Um, the Hawks fumbled in the red zone. Gino fumbled again in the red zone for the second straight game. You know, just more sloppy garbage. I mean, this was a um, this was a, a, on a read option play. Um, you know, Gino he's he, he's got to pull that that ball back. I mean, this is this is too late in the season to be making these kind of you know mistakes with the that that mesh point with your running back. You got to do better. Ken Walker, he had a beast mode run. A touchdown run early in this game where the offensive line helped essentially carry him into the uh, to the end zone and I thought that was going to be a, a sign of things to come but Ken Walker's stat line on the day 14 rushes 26 yards I mean they struggled with the run last game as well uh, this offensive line has to figure out how to run block this may be a consequence of them drafting those rookies, you know, that come from past centric um, uh, college offenses, but this absolutely has to get better. You know, the Hawks had chances in this game. The receivers made uh, plays here. They kept the game close, and they were actually leading the game in the fourth quarter. And you know, the Raiders tried to give this game away. There was a a ridiculous. A toss play that the Raiders ran on fourth and inches instead of, you know, QB sneaking or doing something a little a little bit smarter. And the Hawks couldn't take advantage. You know, this is two straight losses for the Hawks now, two straight wins for the Raiders. I don't know what's what's ahead for the Hawks, honestly, after these past two games. Um they're probably regressing to the mean here a little bit. Uh, it, it seemed too good to be true uh, because this season was supposed to be a rebuilding season for the Seahawks. Um, and now, you know, what I've seen these these past couple weeks, you know, losing these, these close games um, against not great teams. Both these teams, they played the Bucs and the, uh, the Raiders had losing records. And uh, the Hawks were, were just 6-3. and three. I don't know. It's not looking great. It's it's not it's not really looking that great for them. So we'll we'll see where they go from here. Which direction they want to take this? Do they really want a playoff spot, or do they just want to settle for whatever draft pick they're going to get next year, like they originally intended to? What are they going to do with Geno? Are they going to pay him? Are they going to draft a a quarterback? We'll see. We'll see what they're made of. But moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Los Angeles Rams twenty six to ten. Rams are essentially mailing in the season. Uh, they started Perkins. Um, Bryce Perkins made his first start. He's kind of a average running quarterback. Um, Allen Robinson, they didn't even activate him. Of course, Cooper Cup is out. I don't think Tyler Higby played. Nobody on offense. They cut Darrell Henderson. It was just Cam Akers and Kyron Williams running for this team. And the receivers, I don't even know. 2-2 Atwell. I guess Van Jefferson was probably their number one receiver today. And Sean McVay, he got blasted by one of his uh, players as they were running onto the field with his helmet. Um, you got to check this out. Uh, it looked like Sean McVay broke his jaw. That's how it, his head just kind of snapped. It was 
it looked really bad. Uh, he was kind of check. He was kind of checking it all game. Um, it was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a. One of the announcers says it's it's kind of symbolic of their of their season, which I which I agree with. Uh, some takeaways from the Chiefs here: uh, they just kind of took care of business, ho hum game for them. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, he looks like a very good receiver. He looks like probably the best receiver on this team, wide receiver on this team. Kelsey's probably the best receiver overall, and Pacheco. He looks great as well, and he should have been starting all year. I uh, hope this is a lesson to Andy Reid. Start your rookies. Um, but we'll go ahead and move on to the last game of the uh, the afternoon here. The San Francisco 49ers beating the New Orleans Saints 13 to nothing, shutting him out. This is the first time the Saints were shut out since 2001. Um Pre-Jew Breeze. Uh, um, you know, the Saints had a big stop on fourth and goal, um, you know, early in this game. But it was uh, three to nothing for um, most of the first half. On the San Francisco side, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo takes a lot of hits and seems affected and ill-prepared for a lot of them. He closes his eyes, he winces, he dodges, he kind of throws and then jumps. But I have to give him credit because he just seems to pop back up and keep playing. Kind of like Mariota. Brandon Ayuk is absolutely emerging as one of the better uh, wide receiver two in the league. And another thing I, I noticed about San Francisco here is that they have incredible running back depth. I mean, behind McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, who both had good games, they have a guy named Jordan Mason, who I believe is a rookie, who has elite jump cuts. Uh, and he actually, you know, finished this game uh, for this team. He closed this out. He closed the game out uh, for the Niners here. He's buried behind, of course, other great running backs, but... I think he would do really well if he was given a chance to play more. So that does it for the uh, NFL Week 12 recap. This has been the Football v. Football podcast. I want to really thank you guys for uh, tuning in here. Um, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to us on all our platforms here. So we're on YouTube. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe there. Like, comment, share, engage. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, uh, in addition to you know the uh, showing you a lot of the um, uh, links to the podcast, there's also um, reels that would be maybe useful to anyone that that plays fantasy as well. And um, on Twitter. Uh, as well, if you if you're on there, if you'd like to to follow us and engage with us on there, uh, and the podcast itself, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and now we're on uh, a few others: Stitcher and uh, Google and iHeartRadio. And um, if there's one that that we're not on, then we're working on getting on there. 
And uh, if you'd like to support this podcast as well, that would be uh, uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, that's on Kofi. So thank you guys so much for, for, for tuning into this NFL Week 12 uh, recap. Um, enjoy the rest of the football, uh, both tonight and tomorrow. And have a fantastic day, football fans.